everybody. Welcome. Welcome to The Late Show, everybody. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Right now... Right now, uh, down in Congress, everyone is at each other's throats because it is Tuesday. Also, <laughs> also because of the border. Now, no matter what your views are on immigration, there's no denying there's been a border crisis for decades. And recently, it's gotten even more serious. In December, border crossings through Mexico reached nearly 10,000 migrants per day. That number's risen more than fourfold compared to the 2010s. But then again, who can blame migrants for wanting to come here for a better life? I mean, they know our motto, E Pluribus Unum, which, of course, (laughs) translates as, we put cheese in the crust. (laughs) (laughs) Ever since Biden took office, Republicans have been pushing him hard to get tougher on the border. And recently, they've resorted to some extreme measures, like holding Ukraine aid hostage over the building of a new border wall. It's a plan put forth by chief GOP strategist Chatimir Dutton. He's <laughs> a good guy. He's a good guy. And this legislative hostage-taking seemed to work because at the end of last year, Biden saw the writing on the wall, accepted their conditions, and the Senate got to work on a big bill spearheaded on the GOP side by Oklahoma senator and bangs... James Lankford. To be fair, that's a 14-year-old photo. He doesn't look like that anymore, and we won't use it again. Lankford buckled down. He negotiated hard with the Democrats, and he got a deal. Republicans thanked him by backing out. That is so crazy. Republicans are the ones who insisted on a border deal above everything else, and now they're backing out. Are they lawmakers, or are they five-year-olds at dinner time? What do you mean you don't want buttered noodles? You cried all afternoon about how you wanted buttered noodles, so I made buttered noodles. You can't suddenly want ego waffles and to deport Guatemalans without due process. (laughs) Eat your noodles. (laughs) So, why did Republicans do this? The same reason they do anything. As Mitch McConnell explained, the issue is that the nominee, (laughs) Trump, wants to campaign on immigration. You can't take away immigration, Mitch. That's my best stuff, okay? Look, no, listen, folks. You take away immigration, all I can talk about is how low-flow toilets are giving windmill cancer to whales. (laughs) Well, now, now that Trump has scuttled the deal and is saying, blame it on me, scuttled the deal, Republicans had to find someone to blame, and they picked bangs! (laughs) Sorry, we really tried not to use it again, but... Come on. Because over the weekend, the Oklahoma Republican Party approved a resolution condemning and censuring James Lankford for his role in the ongoing bipartisan border negotiations. He did what they asked, and then he got spanked for it. You can read all about it in the erotic thriller, Fifty Shades of Bangs. (laughs) Now, to be fair, we made that graphic before I promised not to do that again. And I'm being told that we made the graphic because I promised not to do that again. <laughs> now, right now, uh, that border bill, it's kind of important because, and I don't want to alarm anyone, we're on the cusp of another civil war. <laughs> Here's what's going on. Texas, they had their own plan to deal with the border put in place by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, seen here releasing a flock of doves to poop on migrant children. <laughs> Abbott introduced an anti-immigration crackdown 
putting razor wire along 60 miles of the border. But the federal government didn't like the razor wire, saying it physically prevented Border Patrol agents from entering the area, processing migrants, and providing assistance to drowning victims, which is why Border Patrol had been cutting the razor wire to reach them. As a general rule, you want to be able to help people who are drowning or really in any mortal danger, not make things worse. That's why the fire safety signs don't say, stop, drop, and stab. <laughs> now, once, uh, once the feds came in and started cutting the wire, Abbott sued, but he also doubled down, installing razor wire under the surface of the Rio Grande and circular saw blades between the buoys. Next, he's going to change the poem on the Statue of Liberty from give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free to... Would you like to play a game? (laughs) The razor wire case uh, went all the way to the Supreme Court, who ruled against Texas in a 5-4 decision with no details or explanations provided. The dissents simply read, Nay, 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 and does this luxury RV come in mother of pearl? (laughs) Now... This really should have been a clear 9-0 decision against Texas because the federal government has the final say on all immigration. It's in the Constitution. It's called the Supremacy Clause. And it clearly states that federal law and federal treaty obligations, quote, shall be the supreme law of the land. Now, for those of you who didn't go to law school, supreme law means it comes with sour cream. (laughs) But unanimous or not, SCOTUS has spoken. It has been decided, right? Wrong, because Greg Abbott is plowing ahead. After the ruling, the Texas National Guard ignored the Supreme Court decision, and Abbott continued construction along the border, claiming that he doesn't have to listen to the Supreme Court because the Biden administration had, quote, broken the compact between the United States and the states, a reference to an archaic idea called the compact theory and nullification. That theory states that states can ignore any federal laws they choose, was used to justify secession by the Confederacy, was originally championed in the 1830s by vice president, notorious racist, and guy who just got spun around in the barber chair and does not like what he sees. (laughs) John C. Calhoun. Calhoun opposed a tariff back then designed to help northern manufacturers, and he convinced his home state of South Carolina to pass a law nullifying the tariff in their state. Well, that did not please President and Pantene American Andrew Jackson. (laughs) President Jackson threatened to invade South Carolina, so Calhoun backed down, and the state repealed the Nullification Act. Jackson never forgave his vice president. When asked about his time in office, Jackson replied, I regret I was unable to hang John C. Calhoun. (laughs) Hang his vice president? So Trump has no original ideas. (laughs) Now... Now, we're cooking along here. We're, we're humming. We are no stops. <laughs> now, now, Abbott says that nullification applies here because the rush of migrants at the border constitutes an invasion. But that argument was struck down in 1800 by James Madison, who, it is worth remembering, wrote the <laughs> Constitution. He said, quote, invasion is an operation of war, and the removal of alien friends has appeared to be no incident to a general state of war. What he's saying is that this is an invasion because we're not at war with Mexico or anyone else. 
these migrants fall under the category of alien friends, alongside Mork, E.T., <laughs> Stitch, and Tilda Swinton. Now, talking here, how much time do I have left? What time is it? Can I keep going? Okay. Now, some MAGA citizens out there are taking things into their own hands, including a group of QAnon world influencers and anti-vaxxers who have organized a take-our-border-back convoy headed to Texas. Organizers said they were expecting 700,000 participants. But as of yesterday afternoon, the convoy was just a few dozen, <laughs> predominantly men over the age of 60. So <laughs> it's less a convoy and more a Denny's at 10 a.m. Sounds good. Sounds good, actually. I'm very close. Here's a, here's a picture of the caravan, which calls itself God's Army. <laughs> wow. Does God need more funding? Because it doesn't look like God's Army could take on the Salvation Army. But I, for one, uh, certainly hope that this all stays peaceful, because this is the way to start a civil war. Not with a whimper but with bangs. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Emma Stone. Welcome back, everybody. Please. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest tonight is an Academy Award-winning actor you know from the favorite Cruella and La La Land. She now stars in Poor Things. These two are fighting and ideas are banging around in Bella's head and heart like lights in a storm. Oh. You're always reading now, Bella. You're losing some of your adorable way of speaking. I'm a changingable feast, as are all of we. Apparently, according to Emerson, disagreed with by Harry. Come, come, just come. You were in my son. What? Please welcome back to The Late Show, Emma Stone. Lovely to see you again. So nice, nice to have to see you here. You. Thank you for having Congratulations me. Congratulations on the Oscar noms. Thank you. 11 Oscar nominations for this film. That's extraordinary. For you, this is your fourth nomination as an actor, and is it your first nomination as a producer? Yes. That's a nice feeling. Yes. Your it's film. very. It's <laughs> good. It's so it that it's very exciting just for yeah. the, for the entire crew and it was it was many years in the making and we're we're very very excited. How many times have you worked with uh, Yorgos Lanthimos now? We've worked together four times. Okay. Um, this was our third time and then we we made another. <laughs> four things was like, our third time like working together. Worked, we have worked together. We have worked four together times. four this times. This is the third. This was our third and then we made another one last fall okay. after we made Poor Things, which hasn't come out yet. What is that? It's called Kinds of Kindness. Kinds um, of and it hopefully will come out later. Yorgos is here. Hey, man, what's up? 
Um, it, uh, I think, will come out later this year, that one. Um, you, your character, Bella, is a wonderful character who uh, she doesn't experience shame. Yeah. What was that like to play? Did you enjoy being in that headspace? Oh, it was the, are you kidding? It was the best. It was so, it was so impossible to sort of understand, I guess not just shame, but she, because she doesn't judge herself at all or her impulses or, or really judge anything as a positive or negative experience, it's all just a part of life and it's all meaningful and, um, and all just interesting to her. Mm-hmm. That was an incredible thing to do. Because it's so, you know, I, I'm always like, oh, this is a good thing. This is a bad thing. This makes right. me worried. This makes me happy. And so to sort of try to strip all of that away. Would you want to live amazing. like that if you could? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, I don't know. There are ramifications for acting in a way that society doesn't expect. That's true. But it's also, I mean, yes, that's true. And that's why this whole movie is just a, is fully a metaphor. And, you know, not an actual... I mean, if you see the movie, it's something that couldn't actually happen. So it's completely kind of a very uh, twisted fairy tale. But there, it, there is something very, very uh, exhilarating about people who really don't kind of, you know, subscribe to all the ideas of what you're supposed to be. Well, it seems sort of like the, the Eden before the fall. Like, your character hasn't bitten the, the apple of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. You know, she doesn't know. Right. That's wonderful. She just gets to sort of live in this this paradise of her own making. It's really, it's really incredible. I mean, paradise and not. But she learns so much and evolves so quickly that it's like a, a rapid development. I love how stylized it is. It's, it's so beautiful at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the production designers are incredible. They built the entire world. So it feels like as you're, as you're watching it or as you're walking through it, like it's the world kind of askew through Bella's, Bella's the character, through her eyes. And it's, um, yeah, it was, it was very special. How does it feel to be the star of a movie and the producer at the same time? Does your producer self ever talk to the star at the end of the day? Like, do we have a dialogue? Exactly. Do you ever look in the mirror and say, look, I need more from you? <laughs> and that could be either look, one of you talking, by the way. we didn't make our day, and that's really going to bite into lunch tomorrow, you know? Uh... <laughs> It, no, it was great. I mean, it was, in all honesty, we had, you know, Yorgos told me about this right after we finished making The Favorite, and then four and a half years later, we started shooting. So all of the kind of prep and build of it, because it was so detailed that it sort of all had to happen in advance. So it felt like by the time we were there, I could just sort of think just about, you know, acting or whatever you call what I was doing there. <laughs> The Oscars call it acting. Well, so who am I? You know. Who am I to question what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, you're also in uh, a wonderful show called The Curse. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, which was created by Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie. Yes. Uh, for the people who don't know, would you tell them the premise? I can try. The it's about a couple uh, who who live in a town in New Mexico that they are trying to. Um, consciously rejuvenate, or that's what they, that's their wording, um, by building these very eco-friendly homes that have mirrored exteriors to blend into the environment. Um, and there's a curse that happens in the first episode on Nathan's character, Asher, and you sort of watch their relationship devolve uh, through the course of the series. And Benny Safdie, who also created it with Nathan, plays this incredible wacky reality producer named Dougie and um, 
yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a one of a kind thing. Yes, yes. It is. <laughs> yeah, not, not, none other than Christopher Nolan says that it, it is without precedent. Well, I mean. He would know. <laughs> he would, yes. I, I mean, that's yeah. a very nice thing for him to say. Yes. You know. He didn't have to say that. He didn't have to say that. No. He didn't have to say that. No. Nobody forced him to. How did you get involved in this? <laughs> Um, I, because I, 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 I've, I've seen, you know, Nathan's work for years. Yeah. I didn't automatically think he'd be working with you. I know. I, he, uh, he, he texted me to ask me because we had, we had known each other kind of, we have a lot of mutual friends and we had hung out a couple of times and he texted me one day and he said, um, hey, do you want to, do you want to do this show that, uh, Benny Safdie and I have created and, you know, of course no pressure and whatever. And so I just wrote back within like 30 seconds, like, yes, I love it. I love the concept. I love the character. The premise, wow. Yeah, I'll do it. Which, like, he hadn't given me any information. So I thought that would land as a joke. But it um, didn't, apparently, because he was like, oh, great. Okay. Sounds good. Let's get on the phone. And then I got on the phone with with Benny and him. And they were like, wait, you you know nothing about it? You know absolutely nothing. So we have to explain this to you. And I was like, yeah. And so it was a good example of when a, a, a bad joke that doesn't land gets you tied into a 10-episode series. You couldn't get out of it? Not after that. I mean, have you ever had a joke fall flat? You got to just really... St- <laughs> because I have an editor... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> no, I loved it. I was very excited about it, but well, um, you know, my jokes are nice. Comedy is different for other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, every comedy is very subjective. It is. What makes you? What makes you laugh? Uh, well, ironically, things that things that make me uncomfortable make me laugh. <laughs> oh, I love awkwardness. Yes, I love awkward feelings. I like I like a, a something that leaves you with more questions than answers, and and you know, makes you. Feel a little bit of discomfort, but also is funny, and I think that's that is what life feels like to me sure. uh, most of the time. So that's that's what I like a lot. Do you ever do you ever, <laughs> do, you ever, do, you ever do you ever get yourself in awkward situations? No, <laughs> never. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to try to get myself in awkward situations because I liked how it felt. I would get into elevators and start singing with other people. Just like, to see what happens? Just happened? some strangers. And I was just going like, as the son of a son of a... People, their sphincters go... Like that. And you just people like watching very upset how they react? When I would just feel... Well, I would, I would also feel how awkward it was. Yeah. And how much some part of me wanted it to end. But I wouldn't allow it to end. Because <laughs> I loved the awkward feeling. It was almost like a gas in the air. What got you into that? Was that just your... I think just natural social awkwardness. Yeah. And, like, and like uh, uh, anxiety about being with other people. So yeah. I would lean into the anxiety and make... I would purposely make myself more anxious. Like, it was almost like drinking a little bit of poison every day. Well, it's so like... So it won't kill me yes. if I ever really get poisoned. It's very wise. It's like exposure therapy. What's that? You know, like when you're really afraid of something and then you just... You're exposed to it a little bit, like a hundred percent. You know, you're you're afraid of. Um, well, I'm not going to talk about my phobia. What are you afraid of? Vomit. Oh God. <laughs> Don't do it. That's not funny. Oh, you're doing the awkward thing where you lean in and you just keep going. <laughs> I 
and, and I was so excited to see you. <laughs> I'm very, I'm still excited to see you. I understand that you have a sense of your, there's a curse that you feel might be on you. The broken bones, you mean? This is what it says, broken yeah, bones. Yes, that's what it says, it says on the card. breaking bones right there. I, it, I've broken uh, seven bones in my life, and that That's was, a large percentage of your bones. It's a large percentage of bones. I don't know why. It's clearly a bone density issue, but it also <laughs> tends have, to have... You have... Do you have the bones of a sparrow? I was told by an endocrinologist to get this tested because she was like, that's a lot of bone breaks. Like, something's up with you. Same bones or different bones? Different bones. There's only... My pinky toe I've broken twice, but other than that, all different bones. Wow. I know. It's weird. And... It's when I'm really excited about something, typically, and I'm not a... That, you know, steady on my feet of a person. You know, I don't have... Grace, I think it's called. So I, I saw am... La La Land. You do have grace. Oh, editing. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, God, what about yeah. now? Things are going great for you. So let's and see what excited. happens. You know you're what excited. I mean? Excited is a chance that you're full gonna... body cast. Wow. Any Hope day now. I mean, things go really well for you. Oh Lord. Well. um... I, I understand, and this is something that I heard that I'm a little jealous of. What? And what? No, nothing. You seem, you seem genuinely nervous about what I'm about to what ask. What are you jealous of? That you have a family tattoo. Oh, yes, yes. That seems like a we lovely thing. We do have a family thing. tattoo. So this is like your, your, your siblings and your, and your folks. My, my mom, my dad, and my brother and I all got the same tattoo in 2010. Is that it right there? I see something. This May is it. I? Listen, just now listen. I don't want to speak ill of a, of a stranger, but I went to get this tattoo at kind of a random place. I just sort of walked in, didn't know what I was doing, and I don't think this guy really cared about the craft, so to speak. <laughs> so over the last now 14 years, this drawing was pencil thin. It was drawn with a ballpoint pen, and now it looks like this. Can we get a, a shot of that? Is it possible? Can you tell what that, that is? That is... <laughs> you guys, ballpoint pen. I'm talking fine tip. That's like a Sharpie married a magic marker, and it just keeps bleeding out constantly. Uh-huh. Well, that's, that's one of the dangers of tattoos. I know. What is that? Is those chicken feet? These are... They're blackbird feet, and it was... It's a very sweet story. My mom beat breast cancer, and she oh. her favorite song is Blackbird, and I had met in 2009. I had been introduced to Paul McCartney, and I asked him if he would draw these bird feet for when she was done with her treatment so we could get these tattoos as a family, and he did beautifully. Again... In pen. And then... And you showed it to the guy. I showed it to the guy, and he was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> See ya. And I was like, bye. And everyone else in my family has these very fine tattoos, and I have to get mine covered for work every day. So it's like, it's... Ra- anyway, I don't mean to Wait, talk badly do, about do, the tattoo. I love family, the tattoo. The rest of your family has a better execution of that than you. You don't do. understand. Night and day. I mean, my dad wears a watch, and he's like, I can barely keep it on my wrist. It's so fine. The detail, the work is so, you know, simple and beautiful. But I love the family identifier that you all have this. That's it's really very lovely. special. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Emma Stone, everybody. Stick around. Hey, everybody, we're back here with the star. 
of Poor Things Oscar nominee Emma Stone. I understand that you're a huge fan of Jeopardy. Oh, yes. And that you have applied to be on Jeopardy. Yes. And on the they, online quiz. The all, okay. You, you take can take the, the online quiz once a year. And that puts you in the, in the, in the line Well, you do, like I mean, that. it doesn't tell you how you did, so you just have to wait and see if you get an email within 12 months. And Why don't you, you do don't Celebrity Jeopardy? Email, I don't want to do Celebrity Jeopardy. I have bad news. What? You're a celebrity. So Any what? Jeopardy you're that, in will be Celebrity no, Jeopardy. No, that's not true. You, If you know that you applied, you took the quiz, you got on the show through, you know, actually having the brains to be on the show, not the Celebrity Jeopardy people don't have the brains, because I've seen some really impressive candidates. However, I just want to know that I passed the test. This might be because... I didn't, I didn't really graduate from high school and I didn't go to college. And I like knowing I passed the test. So this is it. This is your degree. This well, is my degree. Well, exactly. we, have, uh, we have prepared uh, a Jeopardy quiz. Oh, for you boy. Now. Okay. Okay. Now we're, you're going to understand gonna, why I haven't gotten on this We're going to give you this. All of, these are, all of these are late show themed or Ed Sullivan theater themed. Okay. Okay. You ready? All right. All right. <clears throat> uh, can we get a little Jeopardy music? Oh, my God. <laughs> We can't afford the Jeopardy I was going to say it's a reinvention, but I like it. So it's, it's, our, it's our sound alike. Okay. Okay. Okay, Emma Stone, welcome to Jeopardy. Thank you. All right, first question. Stephen Colbert is such a fan of this author's work, he aired his concerns with Peter Jackson about the elves of Mirkwood. Who is oh, the author of Lord of the Rings? Jay, uh, Tolkien. Yes. Who is Tolkien? Okay. <laughs> For years, Americans had two events each Sunday, church and the show hosted by this man who brought many new artists into their homes. Who is Ed Sullivan? This is correct. Okay. Ed Sullivan. It was rumored that the crime rate dropped dramatically during their February 9th, 1964 appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show. Who are the Beatles? Yes. Beatles. They did, they did your thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> These, by the way, are all actual questions that have appeared on Jeopardy. Oh, exciting. I know. Oh, it's not so an Italian it. white wine. It's a cute Italian mouse often featured on The Ed Sullivan Show. Who, what is, uh, Pino Grigio? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's who is Topo Gigio? Damn it. Okay. On The Tonight Show, it was McMahon's standard introduction for Carson. What is, here's Johnny. This, sure, give it to her. Is sure. that right? No, no, I don't know. Is that yes. wrong? They don't know. That's how long Johnny's been gone. Oh, they don't know really? the answer. Okay, okay. This singer's hip gyrations on the Ed Sullivan show in 1957 were not shown because they were deemed too sexual. Who is Elvis Presley? Yes, who is Elvis Presley? This is correct. Okay. On January 30th, 2024, Emma Stone <laughs> appeared on The Late Show in support of her outstanding performance and Oscar nomination for this film. What is being here with you tonight? Oh, I'm sorry. We were looking for Poor Things. Poor Things is in theaters now. Poor Things is in theaters now. Emma Stone, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives.